And he looked like a behemoth of a man. Story complete. Is his name Vince Wolfwork? He's a, Vince Wolfwork's a defensive lineman, but Bucker he's one of the biggest. Then. He's one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen. We're knocking this podcast out of the park. Yeah, by the way, it's getting crushinated. We'll talk about more sports stuff. <laughs> you know, we Local never sports teams. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Last night I was going through like top five best, top five worst commercials. And it was a, I guess it was a little cynical website that was rating them. And a lot of the worst ones were, you know, different big companies that were trying to spread this message of love. Uh, I think McDonald's had one and Coca-Cola had one where like somehow their product is going to magically make everybody love each other. And then it's going to change the world because Coke like spilled in the internet or something. I, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> it's like we're all looking for what's going to fix the world's problems so that everybody's just nice and loves each right. other. It's like maybe it's Coke. Right. Maybe Coca-Cola spilled on the internet or whatever. And then it's going to magically Spoiler change Spoiler alert. Everything. We already found him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's the thing is it's not, you know, when, even when we talk about prayer, like the the beauty and the power of prayer. Father Scott had an awesome line in my confession today. He said, um, you know, the whole point of you bringing it to God is you bring these things into a relationship and then God works on these things in this relationship. You know, if we just try to take care of it ourselves, that we're not Stoics. We're, we're not like ancient Greek philosophers who Jesus hasn't come yet. There's a real guy who's alive that you bring this into relationship with. The point being is we're not philanthropists. The Sisters of Charity are not just out there doing good because oh, it's just good to do good to other people and goodness and love, blah, blah, blah. But it's because they've been so loved that they're then unstoppably motivated. They literally cannot be stopped to go out and give in return. It's the the fact of generosity, of joy. That's the, I mean, that's what we see in the saints is that they had to have been loved first. Paul, being an excellent example, is loved first and then goes out and can't be stopped loving other people and spreading that message. Mm -hmm. That's what makes us different than everybody else in the entire world. That's what makes us different than every other religion, is that we are first loved. And to how well we acknowledge that is to how well we'll go out and share that love, is essentially the message. Right. But were you going to say something, Rob? I think Father Connor rudely interrupted you. Yeah, I did interrupt you. (laughs) I was in the flow, bro. I didn't want to break that up, certainly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, what we're, and you said it once, but we're kind of talking about here is, is saints, like how to, the, the tradition of, of the saints to be, to be a saint. And, uh, Monsignor Esif has a great line that a saint is not someone who has rose to the heights of Christianity. A saint is someone that has allowed God to stoop down to the very lowest level and pick them up. Um, and I think we all have spots like in, in our hearts like where we don't want to let God do that. And, you know, through an openness to his grace, the saints, more so than anyone else, not perfectly, but have allowed him to do that. So I don't know, when you were talking, um, your little 
montage, I might call it. <laughs> that was uh, a montage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think you guys know what montage means. I think, I, it, mis- I, yeah. think I misused well, that. Well, the yeah. montage. Monologue? Here, monologue. monologue. There yeah. we go. I don't want to rant, but I'm about to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what I was thinking about, you know, all of this, it's, it was all very, very true, but it's just really freaking cool that as Catholics, like we get to participate in this salvation of the world. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's nothing that we're ever going to fully grasp or understand, but what an invitation like that is for every single person, like through just very basic acts of love because we're loved first you know, in a sense, like maybe that Coke commercial was kind of onto something. Like, are they wrong that Coke Coke is going to save the world? I would absolutely hold that that is wrong, you know, just for clarity's <laughs> sake. Even in Atlanta, yeah. someone from Atlanta would say that that's wrong. <laughs> right. But I was also thinking, you know, too, if we have that um, like relationship with Christ that we're loved first and then our lives can be an overflow from that point, you know, I, I talked to the guys last night that are going on the evangelization trip for the February break, and it was really cool. So I just told them some stuff like I had learned from my time with Focus about being able to like share your testimony in different situations and things like that. And got to, they were, you know, asking like really good stuff and was telling a few old stories. And one came up that I don't, I don't know if I've to- told it on the podcast before, um, but it's one of my favorite stories I think I've ever I've ever heard, and it wasn't this did not happen to to me, but a buddy of mine um, on Focus staff was at a campus, and he said that he was just walking around like a college campus one day, and he said literally it was an experience that like he couldn't um, explain, but there was this very attractive college girl like walking at him across the quad or um, wherever it was. And he said, all, I just, I knew what I had to say. I knew what I had to say. And he's like, I had no idea how it was going to go. And so I just walked up to her and he literally like stops in front of this girl on the middle of this college campus. And he's like, Hey, you know, I know this may come off as, as really weird. Um, and I don't want it to be that way, but I just wanted to tell you that you're very beautiful and, um, like you're a beloved daughter of God and you have worth. And he said, middle of the college campus, this girl, like without saying anything, just starts bawling, crying and ends up talking to her for a long time, like gets to say a prayer with her to to invite Christ back into um, her life. And so I don't know how that story, like if it was just fresh in my mind or um, or what, but like to me, that's really exciting that like we Mm -hmm. we have that all the time at our at our fingertips you know um just like kind of going back to just the in a sense power and the call that we have from our baptism um to to be able to be like a real ambassador of the church and i actually think coke for you know their uh resources doing you know pretty good job of getting the word out there probably better than than we are in about some about the message of coke or about the message of love message of coke like they're missing the boat you know what i mean but they're they're spreading it probably more so than we are sometimes so mm-hmm. food for thought oh yes why is there something rather than nothing what they're tapping into i think what you're getting at is this deep human desire to love and be loved you know to 
live in a world where you are accepted as you are, you know? And that co-commercial was like, the contrast was like people getting, you know, flamed on the internet or like some teenage kid being told he's a worthless whatever. And then the message changes because of Coke into like, you're, you're worth it, you know, or there's no one like you or no one likes you changed to There's no one like you, you know, which is pretty like platitude, lame cliche, but it's kind of a cheese ball. It gets yeah. the point across that what we want, what everybody wants, um, is to live in this world, uh, where people are unconditionally loved, you know? And what I think it's even deeper tapping into is our instinct that our life um, has to include others, like in order to be human. Um, that being a human by yourself is an oxymoron. That you can't just like, and this gets to even the contemplation point, like contemplation of God. It doesn't make any sense or it's impossible if you just kind of like close yourself off from the dirty world and say, like, I'm going to, you know, forsake all of this filth and go be by myself with God. Because God's not over there by yourself in your little prison that you're making. He's out in the world and he's experienced in your giving yourself away, you know, not in focusing on yourself. And even as a, the Catholic Church, not turning inward and saying, what are we doing wrong? Or, you know, what, you know, what are we like, like a lot of this, what Pope Francis calls turning in on ourselves, the self-referential church, where we're just talking about us all the time, instead of the people out there who Christ is um, calling us to go out to, you know? And it, like, I think that this doesn't have to look like on a college campus. That's an awesome story. But um, it doesn't often look like going up to a random person and and saying something like that, yeah, powerful that, as it is. That's a great point. I think my, I think of my sister-in-law right now, who um, hopefully by the publishing of this podcast is done with this ordeal. But she's in the children's hospital with my niece, who um, has a congenital heart defect. Long story short, um, because of all the surgeries and and hospitalization when she was an infant, um, still eats from a G tube and can't really swallow very well so she's at a feeding clinic um which was scheduled for 30 days hopefully it'll be shorter than that but um these specialists who are on you know to help kids learn how to use those muscles that they never learned how to use when they normally would have as infants and she has a little blog i was reading last night and um and she said it herself on the blog that this is her ministry and that she's at the end of her rope and um, it's when she's at the end of a rope that she senses God's presence the most, you know, um, and that doing this for this child, you know, going through these struggles, even especially the struggles of having to watch the child suffer and her not being able to really do anything about it. Those are the kind of the most difficult things, but how, like, you know, you were hoping for an easy, like the doctors would just magically make your baby able to eat. And it's not going to be that simple. And in fact, you're going to have kind of even even more work ahead of you in continuing this kind of therapy outpatient. And um, I think about that with anybody who's got a challenging kid, you know, an autistic kid or a physically disabled kid or, or something like that. Every day, your day is 
like your, your life is given away and you have to choose it every morning. Uh, I, I choose to live this love. That's people with kids. Right. Period. Well, in general. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every kid is difficult in its own Super way. Difficult, but, yeah. Um, They're incredible. It, it's, a, I think, an especially acute yeah. image of God's love for us. Uh, when you see somebody, and again, I mean, there's the maternal instinct. And there's a lot of power in nature, I think, in human nature to just be good to your children. But how much more that she has faith in Christ, um, who is loving her child through her, you know, if she didn't believe what she believed, how, how often would you just want to throw up your hands? And as a culture, we kind of have, in a lot of instances, just said, that's too hard. You know, the, the culture of death says, like, Down syndrome babies, just the birth of Down syndrome babies is way down. And that is a, is a scary thing to think about that we could say that that, that human life is not worth living um, either for the person himself or herself or the people that will have to take care of them. And it, it's a rejection of what Coke is intuiting, which is that like human life is nonsensical unless you have another person to give your life away to, you know, um, and that's not to say that God makes people suffer so that we can do that, but it's how he redeems his creation through us. And our participation in that redemption, not to get too highfalutin and theological, is our dignity as Christians, as sons and daughters of God, that we make up for what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ, according to Paul. That every, every yes we say to God's will for our life, whatever person in need is in front of me, is God's voice telling me what his will is, for me to love that person, every yes that I say to that will of God is an, a reordering and uh, putting back together the broken bones of humanity that says like, uh, you know, that sin says, uh, unless you don't live, I can't live the life I want to live, you know, and it doesn't have to be murder uh, necessarily, it can be sometimes, but it, often it's just like, I don't have time for you or I'm going to put you down or I'm going to say this mean thing on Facebook because whatever, whatever cost you have is a gain for me. You know, Christians and reject that. That's, that's the incredible thing that I think we find it's most difficult to understand is that the invitation to do an act of love, the invitation to love another person, certainly it'll be good for that person who receives that love. But ultimately and above all, that love is going to perfect you. It's a gift from God. That's God, an invitation that God has for you to cooperate in the supernatural theological gift of love, the virtue of love. And that's, I mean, if we're going to go back even to the liturgy, is that's an invitation for us to participate in the salvific act of Christ in adoration to the Father. That when we raise up our voices, that when we go and help someone on the street, that we're actually participating in something supernatural that Christ has invited us into, that another person benefits from, but we're, the image of God in us is really coming out. And the things that are uh, not real, are not substantial about us, are falling away. And the more that we choose to participate and cooperate in that love that God is giving us, which means that you have to first receive it is really what we're, that's the sanctification process that when we actually go out in love, we ourselves are 
being loved even more so that we're coming to actuality if you want to use philosophical terms actuality to the person that we are created to be that's why mother Teresa, you know she's out there in the streets of calcutta and every single person that she would get a letter from or you know why are you doing this asking questions what are you out there doing you know giving dignity to people who have no hope who people are going to die and you're just there with them while they die why are you doing this why are you doing this her answer every single time is come and see come out here and see because the answer the words i'm going to give you it's it doesn't it's not going to make any sense until you come and you actually participate right. in it not for that person yeah that person show them dignity which is beautiful and good and a gift but it's going to change and affect you that's the life of the christian mm -hmm. and that's when you have the the multiplying effect of grace of sharing in the divine life that's the beauty of it Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.